Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Coming up on today's episode, we look back at a tough one for the Jets in Toronto, including Comrie, Hanela, Baron, Shafley as well as what the hell is going on with NHL officiating. Hello, everybody. Recording live from somewhere. What's good and welcome to another episode of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rowicki. You can follow me on Twitter at Brandon underscore Rowicki or the podcast at Skates Plates pod all right let's get right into it here thanks again for tuning in and listening to another episode of skates and plates not a ton of battery power left on my laptop here so we'll be um a little bit on the urgent side of getting through this one here and you know what after giving up seven goals to the maple leaves i don't know if a lot of jets fans want to be spending 25 30 35 minutes talking about the debacle that we saw out there in toronto thursday night but we have to break it down, and it's interesting because it comes off, you know, on paper, it comes off the heels of arguably the Jets' hottest streak of the season. They had a chance they would have beat the Leafs to tie their season-high four-game win streak. But it may also have come with some of their most underwhelming play of the season as well, right? Like, that, the, the wins against Arizona, Columbus... And Buffalo might be the most underwhelming three-game win streak of all time, right? <laughs> because I don't know if the Jets outplayed either one of those teams, right? It, it, they were all tight contests, hotly contested, as usual, poor officiating, which we'll get to a, a little bit later on, which led to some of those games being a little bit tighter than you would have liked. But it's not like the Jets, you know, took care of business and stormed through Winning a couple games by, you know, two or three goals each. It was, uh, got to squeak out a few at extra time. Find a way to hold on. So you wondered what they had left of the tank going up against the Maple Leafs on Thursday. And, you know, even though it was the back-to-back, I really thought that going into the game, this was prime Winnipeg Jets territory where when you expect them to zig, they zig, right? It's second game of a back-to-back. They haven't played all that well as of late. Toronto comes in flying as well. One of the best teams, you know, even though a lot of people here don't like to admit it, one of the best teams in the NHL. It seemed prime for the Maple Leafs to take down the Jets and do so in a resounding fashion. But I really thought that we would have seen the Jets come out with a big effort, you know, find a way to weather the storm early and skate out of Toronto with two points. I went on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Hudson Rebo and 
I really thought the Jets were going to come away with a, a multi-goal win in this one just because it's not what we expect. You know, we we see the Jets play down to teams like Buffalo, Arizona, Columbus, but then they find a way to rise up and take down teams like Toronto, Tampa Bay a few weeks ago as well, right? And it looked like they might early on find a way to pull out the win, right? I mean, Blake Wheeler with with Kyle Connor out of the lineup, Blake Wheeler has kind of done like a space jam, take the hands away from Kyle Connor. He's been tremendous these this past little while. But he old man dangles Mark Giordano, who he did not have a great game himself. He didn't look so hot, but a, a great move by Wheeler there. Gets the early lead for the Jets. Nikolai Ehlers gets one right after that. It's two zip early on. Oh, wow. Maybe the Jets are going to find a way to pull off a bit of a shocker here in Toronto. But that was that was pretty much the end of it. I, I know, you know, the Jets scored that third goal in the second period. And it was a relatively tight game for the latter part of that one. And even the, the early parts of the third period. But, I mean, from all intents and purposes... The Maple Leafs completely took over the game from that point onward and, and really left no doubt that they were the better team between the two sides on the night. I mean, they were just, they were faster on the puck, managed the puck better, found a way to create a ton of scoring chances in the home plate area, and then that obviously led to a bunch of penalties for the Jets. And for all the Leafs' faults, if you put Matthews, Marner, Nylander, Tavares, Riley out there five, six times a night... They're going to put a couple goals by you, no matter how good your penalty kill is. So so that that's where the game eventually slowly turned into the Maple Leafs' favor there. And yeah, they, they left no doubt that this was going to be a bit of a cakewalk. Heading down the stretch into the third period, it was really only a matter of time before we saw the coronation for Austin Matthews getting his 50th. Wow, shocker. Somebody gets a milestone against the Winnipeg Jets. Who could have ever predicted that, right? But it's one of those games that, you know... I guess under normal circumstances, you could point to and say, this is almost a scheduled loss for the Winnipeg Jets in a way. You, you know what I mean? Like, even though they face some easier opposition, it's the end of a three-game road trip. It's the second game of a back-to-back. They've been playing a ton of hockey lately. The Leafs were rested coming into this while the Jets had to travel after playing the night before. Your backup goalies, right? Like, you can you can definitely, you know, I'm not a huge excuse guy because every team of the NHL is dealing with some level of adversity. But you could throw enough excuses into the pot here and say, yeah, you know what? This is, this just was, it was a tough one for the Jets. It was going to be difficult for them to find a way to get two points. And normally you could just say, hey, you know, tough loss against a good team. Yeah, you move on and live to fight another day. But the problem is that when you don't take care of business against teams like Ottawa last week, Philadelphia twice so far this season, Montreal earlier this year, New York Islanders a few weeks ago as well, right? Like a number of these teams at the bottom of the standings, all oh, those games, that, that's why it's so important to bank points against those teams, right? Because you could afford to lose on a back-to-back against Toronto. You could afford to lose a tight one against the Boston. You know what I mean? So it's it's a crappy loss. It makes sense. But it's just the fact that the Jets desperately needed the two points against the Leafs. There's no margin for error because they couldn't take care of business earlier on in the season against some, some inferior opposition. And it doesn't get any easier either with the Los Angeles Kings in town Saturday night. The first game of a homestand for the Winnipeg Jets. And those games are always difficult. Teams find themselves drained in the first game back after a road trip 
kicking off a homestand. So, yeah, I mean, things are not going to be any easier for the Jets. We know the odds are, are stacked against them, something like 10-15% in terms of playoff chances moving forward for the rest of the year. But, you know, again, sure, the schedule is condensed for the rest of the way forward. But, you know, you got L.A., which is a, a good team, but a winnable matchup. You got the Red Wings, another winnable matchup. The following night, eh, Colorado, you, you might you might drop that one. But then Ottawa, Montreal, and Seattle on tap afterwards here. So, yes, the Jets cannot afford to, to really give up any points. But you lose one to the Maple Leafs in a game that eh, kind of makes sense. You find a way to go 5-0-1 in this next stretch. And, and maybe the miracle push can continue for, for another few weeks here. Now, let's get to the actual game itself and break down some of that, some of the big storylines from the matchup. Now, it's it's funny because, you know, when on Huss's show, predicted the Jets would win something like 5-2, right? N- nothing that any of us thought might happen. That's what the Winnipeg Jets were going to go out to do. Totally whipped on that one. Then said that Connor Hellebuck was going to be a big reason why the Jets won this game. He was going to get the start in the second end of a back-to-back Batting 0 for 2. Had just an absolute unreal performance on his show Thursday afternoon. But uh, that was um, a bit of a, I don't want to say a shocker, but maybe a surprise for some that the Jets didn't lean on Connor Hellebuck once again, even though he's played 95% of the games, it feels like, this season. I think a lot of people just anticipated, you know, you're, you're going up against the Maple Leafs. You're going to want to put your best out there in net. To have a chance to give maybe a tired group of skaters an opportunity to steal one in the big smoke. Look, Eric Comrie 100% deserves to play more and his play this season has warranted more starts than he's gotten. But I I definitely would have tabbed Connor Hellebuck for this one. I mean, ultimately, would the Jets have won this game if Connor Hellebuck was in? Uh, maybe, <laughs> right? Maybe. You know, I think it was probably Comrie's worst game of the season. You know, he didn't get a lot of help from his team. He <laughs> was hung out to dry. There, there's no doubt about that. And I'm not pinning the loss on Eric Comrie or anything like that. But, you know, I look at the Tavares goal, for example. And, you know, nothing he could do on, on Tavares' shot. But it was a clean point shot that he was able to get a sight on the puck there. Hits him in the chest. Uh, that that's a rebound that you need your goalie to control there, right? And and sure, Hainel loses position on Tavares on that one, but that that play kind of means absolutely nothing if Eric Comrie is is soft and swallows the puck, or if he's able to you know chip it up off his chest or his shoulder and somewhere behind the net away from a dangerous scoring area. So it was it was little plays like that all night long, you know. He, he, to me, it looked like he was just wasn't calm or assertive in the net he was kind of all over the place look it just it wasn't his night plain and simple he, he didn't he wasn't the sharpest he's been this season and when you're playing a high-end skilled team like Toronto if, if your goaltender's a little bit off they're gonna make you look a little bit silly and, and that's what we saw in the game last night so yeah I, I'm not blaming Comrie whatsoever you know I thought early on wow he, he comes into Toronto and and gets the win after the Jets are up to nothing the, the fairy tale story continues for him but just a little bit of a dose of reality given to Eric Comrie and the Jets on the night. But I, I, I do wonder if, if Hellebuck's in, if, you know, maybe on that Tavares goal, he's able to swallow that rebound up. Maybe he's able to make one or two extraordinary saves on some of the other Maple Leafs goals on the night. You, you know what I mean? So, ah, I, I think it's fair to question Dave Lowry on this one, although I will say this. 
you know, he knows Connor Hellebuck better than any of us do. <laughs> He's speaking to him on a day-to-day basis. Maybe Helly was just burnt out, right? And it is the second end of a back-to-back, but we've seen Connor Hellebuck play extremely well in situations like that. But but maybe he just saw a goalie that looked tired, who's played 60-some-odd games already this season, and just said, you know what, he's he's got to get a break, and we're going to play him a ton the rest of the way moving forward for the next couple of weeks. And you know what, we might just have to take the loss here. I, I, I can totally understand that. I would say, though, that yeah, may, maybe... Maybe a rejigging of the order would have been better off for the Winnipeg Jets. Like maybe you give Comrie the start in Buffalo, thinking that your team is going to be able to handle their business against the Sabres. And then Hellebuck, who is rested, gets the start against the Maple Leafs. And maybe he steals one for a tired team. That might be the the lone critique you could make out of all this. I'm never going to fault a coach for not playing a guy who's, who's played so much on the second end of a back-to-back. But maybe the team could have rejig the schedule up so they had a fresh rested ready to go Connor Hellebuck against the mighty offensive Toronto Maple Leafs now I mentioned Hainala there we did see another debut by the Winnipeg Jets as well as Morgan Barron makes his first appearance for the club Shifley as well a few other guys that we got to get to very quickly here as again the battery power on the laptop is winding down very quickly but before we do that we always got time for our friends over at DraftKings one of the official sports betting partners of the NHL they've got a huge huge deal on tap for you guys right now as well as free daily contests where everybody can win money any day if sportsbook is not available in your state just yet you always got a shot to light the lamp with DraftKings Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use promo code THPN, bet just $1 on any NHL team, and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's promo code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. 21 or older, restrictions apply. See show notes for details. So a few other performances that we should mention before we wrap up this episode here, and we got to talk about Vili Hainala once again. And man, it just, it, it, su- it sucks that I, that I wasn't able to do a show on Tuesday morning to talk a little bit about Vili Hainala or even after the game against Buffalo. Because I think since he's been reinserted back into the lineup, he's been real, real strong for the team. And I mentioned this on Winnipeg Sports Talk, but, you know, when he got the chance to re-enter the Jets lineup, I thought to myself... Oh, I really hope the kid does well, but this is just an awful spot for the team to put him in. You know what I mean? Like, he's he's coming back. He's been in the press box. He's barely played at all. And then you're throwing the kid in there, expecting him to light the world on fire. And it's tough for a player of his mold too, right? Like, it's, in my opinion, it's easier for a guy like Logan Stanley to come in, you know, trip pucks off the glass, play a simple game, bash a few guys around, and you're able to play your game. It's a lot more difficult for an offensively-minded defenseman to come in knowing that, you know, a mistake or two could lead you back to the press box for a couple of weeks. But if you don't play the way that you've played your whole life, you're just not as effective out there on the ice. And then if you're not effective, well, then you're back into the press box, right? Like, it's 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 a really, really difficult mindset battle for a young guy that is in Vili Hainala's shoes to go out there to try to make an impact while also not trying to make a big mistake that could cripple your team and, and hurt your chances of getting extended playing time. 
But I thought he was really, really good his last few games for the Jets. And and to me, leapfrog Logan Stanley on the pecking order and, and should be a guy that, you know, even when Nate Schmidt comes back into the lineup after his COVID absence, he is one of the Jets' six best defensemen. And he played really, really good against Buffalo, I thought, as well. And I, I love the way that he's played with Neil Pionk this season. And I think you could even make the argument that Neil Pionk's best play this year has been with uh, Billy Hanel up beside him, right? It, it hasn't been Brendan Dillon that a lot of us thought it would be. It hasn't been the Dillon-Pionk pairing that has shown as the team's second pair. It's it's Hanel and Pionk that I think we've seen some really, really good hockey out of this season, albeit in, in somewhat limited time. And he was great these past few games. But, oh boy, the the, the Finn had a bit of a rough one against the Leafs. There, there, there's no other way to put it. He, he had maybe his worst game of the season. And, and and I really hope it doesn't, you know, result in him coming out of the lineup for, for the next game against L.A. Or, or sometime in the next couple of games, right? Like, I love to see him get a chance to play his way out of it. Would love to see Vili Hainala. You know what? Hey, kid, you had a rough one. We got your back. We want to see you in some more games here. We want to see you help this team out, create some offense from the back end, and away you go. I would love for that to be the case here, but he just had a really, really, a really, really rough outing, basically from the first shift all the way through to the end of the third period. Because, you know, it noticeably starts off with, and apparently it was old man dangle night in Toronto. But, I mean, Jason Spezza, at almost 40 years old, walks around Billy Hainala pretty quickly, or pretty easily, I should say. He was not moving quickly whatsoever. But, you know, a case of the veteran giving the the youngster a, a bit of a, hey, I'm taking you to school lesson here, right? So he, he got off to a bit of a wonky start with that one. And and maybe that played a part in it. He, he just never was, was comfortable the rest of the game moving forward. And, you know, could have taken a penalty. Uh, I, I think it was Kerfoot. Along the boards there, it was a trip that went uncalled. Just wasn't making quick passes with the puck. We saw a number of turnovers. I mean, a, f- a few physical battles that we saw lost as well. You know, the, the Tavares goal, I know on the broadcast, it was pointed out Hainala lost body positioning. You know, wasn't able to prevent Tavares from getting the rebound and ultimately scores there. That one I wouldn't even necessarily blame him all that much on. Like, yes, he could have been somewhat better positioned. But I think Comrie should have handled that shot better. And then it wouldn't have made, you know, Billy Hainala out to wear the goat horns on that specific play. But I just thought all night long it was it was just a rough one for, for a 20, 21-year-old kid. And it's going to happen for him. And it's probably going to happen for him again next season, right? But I, I just, I really hope that, you know, a night like that doesn't staple him back into the press box for the foreseeable future. Because Logan Stanley has had some rough games as of late as well. I still think it's, you know, we, we know that the ceiling is much higher with a guy like Vili Hainala. And I think this team, you know, I'm sure they could use size on the back end and they, they could use size in a bunch of areas of the ice. But they also need somebody that can move the puck out from the back end. And especially with Nate Schmidt out, that element is lacking big time from the Winnipeg Jets. So very intrigued to see what the bounce back performance is going to be for Mr. Hainala Saturday against the LA Kings. And hopefully he has a big one there. And then we see him in the lineup for the rest of the homestand and, and hopefully for the rest of the season moving forward. Another youngster that we got to touch on here quickly, too, is, is Morgan Barron. Makes his Jets debut coming over in the Andrew Kopp trade. And, and speaking of difficult situations to be put in here, gets the emergency call up. 
flies in quickly, gets to Toronto just in time to enter the lineup. He, he doesn't play a ton either, so he's not into the rhythm of the game. And it's his third game in three nights. Played a back-to-back for the Moose the prior two nights, right? So, I mean, man, oh, man, I, I can't. The, the kid probably, he might have been jacked up for his first few shifts, but there, there must not have been a whole lot left in the tank by the time the third period rolled around. You know, he, he just didn't play a whole lot. I, I guess that's kind of the main thing. I think he played five minutes or so. So t- tough to get a read on on what exactly he can bring to the lineup. But the first thing that popped out to me is, you know what, he, he doesn't skate like a six foot four guy. He, he was he was moving up the ice pretty good for a guy of his size. So So that's a positive from him. You know, just didn't really touch the puck a whole lot. But intrigued. I, I'd like to see a lot more of him. I'd like to see him get a lot more than, than five minutes as well. And albeit very limited action that we saw out of him, I think there's a lot more future for him in a Jets jersey than there is for Adam Brooks. If it's between those two guys, would love to see Morgan Barron get another chance. And, and maybe he does Saturday against the LA Kings. But would love to see him get eight, nine, ten minutes in that one. Uh, But that was, I mean, pretty much it from the youngsters in this one. You know, Mason Appleton isn't as much of a youngster anymore. He's got a few seasons under his belt. But again, I thought he he shone. He was one of the few bright spots for the Jets in this one. Had a a monster hit in the third period against Justin Hole. Justin Hole was really, he was a bit of a, he was a bit of a punching bag for the Jets in that game. There was a number of guys that ran him pretty hard. But I, I, I liked the game from Mason Appleton once again. I do wonder, I know... You know, he's not used to playing on his left side, but I'm not really a big fan of the Zach Sanford second line experiment continuing for another game. I would love to see a little bit more speed added there, and that's a perfect spot for a guy like Mason Appleton to potentially fill in. So we'll see what the the line blender looks like. I imagine we'll see a bit of a different look when the Jets uh, return to action on Saturday. And finally here, uh, look, I hate to do it. We, we talk. I feel like we talk about it too much. But it's, it's, I feel like I'm not being unfair. It's just what we're all seeing out there on the ice. But again, another rough game from Mark Shifley when it comes to trying to prevent pucks from going into the net when he's on the ice. You know, he, he picks up two points and, and he played a pivotal role in both those goals for the Jets. But he makes just a soft ass backhand into the middle of the ice right along the blue line. And that ultimately leads to one of the goals for the Maple Leafs. There was a couple of iffy back checks as well. Although, to be fair, he did have a good back check, preventing a two-on-one on a separate play as well. So, you know, we'll shine and highlight any good defensive plays Mark Shifley makes. But I, I just noticed on, on social media all night long and, and watching the game as well that more and more people, again, harping on where's the effort from Mark Shifley? Like, where's, where's, where's some grit? Like, where's some intensity from him? Right, and it's it's hard to disagree with any of that, especially you know you watch Austin Matthews on the other end, and he's chasing Josh Morrissey all over the ice inside the Winnipeg Jets end of the ice, trying to get the puck back, try, trying to be a bit of a force when he doesn't have the puck on his stick inside the offensive zone. I mean, Matthews was all over the ice, even though he only ends up with the empty net or near the end of the game. Thirty-four in Toronto is a perfect example of. Of what Mark Shifley can be. Not that Shifley can be a 50-goal guy. But that you don't have to sacrifice offense to be a force defensively. Austin Matthews is going to finish in the top five of, of Selkie voting this year. And he's probably going to win the Rock of Richard on top of it. Like, Shifley could use a bit of a video session on what Austin Matthews is doing. Apply that to his game. There's no excuse for him not to be 
a point-of-game player next season while also being a plus guy on the defensive side of things as well. So another discouraging night for those in the Mark Shifley camp, hoping to see him turn around the defensive side of his game. The offense is always going to be there for him. There's no doubt about that. But he can be he can be an impact guy for the Jets. Just, just needs to dial up the intensity a little bit more, which is really, really upsetting. We're still saying this. 60-plus games into this season and seven, eight, nine seasons into his career. Now, the final point we'll end on here, I wish it could be a bit of a positive one, but it can't be because we're talking about NHL officiating. I, I don't know. I know it's recency bias and all that because it's what we just saw out there. I don't know if we've seen a worse officiated game that involved the Jets this year. I don't know if I've seen a worse officiated game in the NHL this season. There, there's been games with worse blown calls, but from start to finish... Just heads in their asses from the officials in that game. It was just, like, I, I would say what an embarrassment, but the NHL is not embarrassed because they don't care. They, they think they're doing a great job officiating the game. And I don't blame the officials again because they're ultimately just doing what their bosses tell them to do, and we get games like that way too often in the NHL. And it's funny, too. It's funny because, I mean, I saw Jets fans complaining, but I follow a ton of Maple Leafs fans as well. Maple Leafs fans complaining. Then Pittsburgh, Minnesota playing that night as well. Pittsburgh fans all over the officials. Wild fans all over the officials. Like, it's it's not even just it's biased towards one team. The refs just stink at trying to call the rulebook. Because they don't call the rulebook. And it's, just, it's so, so frustrating to watch. Like, this should be the best hockey any of us have ever seen. Yet the officials get in their own way and, and really make some of these games tough to watch. I mean, I'm not getting into which team got screwed more between the Jets or the Leafs, but it was pretty obvious that it was prison rules for the second half of the game. And honestly, both teams could have had 10 power plays. You know, if, if the rules were called as they are written down, that game should have been shorthanded pretty much 80% of the time. But you let plays go time and time again. And you have, you know, Dubois getting a, a cheap tripping call called against him. But then the flip side is Vili Hanela trips a Leafs player inside his own end. No call right in front of the officials. But then Dubois gets his stick slash out of his hands to the point that his stick breaks right in front of the officials. The ref not only doesn't call it, but starts chirping Dubois on that play as well, right? And it just goes on and on and on, right? So... It's this brutal combination of they're not calling obvious penalties, but then the penalties they do call are chintzy, you know, less than borderline ones. So everybody's pissed off, right? Like nobody's happy with this. And I, I really wonder what it's going to take for the NHL to change all this because it, it is making their product unwatchable some nights. And when you have as much talent and skill on display as the Jets and Leafs do, and in a game that had, what was it, 10 goals on the night? That that game shouldn't be unwatchable at points. That, that should be kind of the marquee jewel piece of the night's action. Yet we're talking about the officials way, way more too often than we really should instead of focusing on some of the brilliant skill that's on display pretty much every night in the NHL. So, I mean, just... I'll, I'll try not to end episodes with a rant against the officials in every episode moving forward here, but it just gets tougher and tougher because 
they're just not doing their jobs properly. And I'm really, really concerned about what the playoffs are going to look like. If this is regular season officiating, ew, boy, we might see water skiing become a you know kind of a second unofficial sport involved with the NHL because I, I just don't know if there's going to be a whole lot of penalties called by the time the postseason rolls around here. But that's where we'll wrap up this episode here. We'll put a bow on it here. 4% battery power left, so we just got through it. We'll be back at it next week. Uh, you know, a, a pretty interesting slate for the Jets that we'll break down here. L.A. Saturday night. The next matchup comes on Wednesday, actually, against the Detroit Red Wings. So what do you know? A bit of time off for the club. A bit of time off for Helly. Uh, he, he might be playing the next 10, 12 games or so down the stretch here. So uh, we'll see what happens in the game against L.A. Get ready for the game against Detroit when we return in time for Tuesday's episode. Until then, though, thank you guys so much for tuning in once again to Skates and Plates right here on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rewicki. We'll be back at it on Tuesday morning. Until then, enjoy your weekend, everybody. Stay safe out there as well. 